0: You're listening to the Peacock and
1: Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, Wednesday edition, post-NFL trade deadline. We have new COVID cases, and it's our weekly stock up, stock down, as that all ties in together. And... Uh, some interesting questions, I think, left over from yesterday's show because we only got to a couple of those. This season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At peacock on Twitter is where you can find me the scout Matt Williamson at Williamson NFL is a must follow for all NFL football fans. What do you think Matt that um, that NFL trade deadline went out with a whimper and there's always a lot of rumors And the NFL trade deadline is never as fun as say Major League Baseball or the NBA. But man, I thought there was potential for at least a few more deals to happen.
1: Yeah, I expected a lot more to be honest with you. I had my hopes up. I was pretty excited about it. Um, And very little happened. My hunch is it's just this salary cap situation for next year. I mean, I thought that would make, you know, more deals happen, that the sellers would be like, just get these guys out of the building. I got to get them off the books, where I think the buyers were just afraid that, hey, we we don't know what the cap is next year. I, I would love this player, but I don't know how I can make it work next year. You know, so some of these, you know, veteran guys that are making nice money, I don't think it's a real good indication that this offseason is going to be friendly to them. So uh, we'll see. But uh, I mean, I, 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 I keep going back to if the cap's only 175 and doesn't get to 200, let alone go up from 200 where it's been, that it's going to have a very negative you know ramifications for the league. And good football players are going to be sitting on the street at least for a while or taking much more than or taking much less than they should.
0: And teams treat maybe more than ever draft picks like gold too. And they're hoarding those picks and they don't want to give up anything. And a lot of the trades we see at the deadline are sixth, seventh round picks, conditional picks uh, swapping this pick for that pick to make sure teams don't uh, have a lack of draft picks going into draft. So I think that's a huge factor to the trade deadline as well. But there, there are some situations where I thought teams that are in go for it mode had an opportunity to do something and maybe the asking prices were too high or uh, maybe the teams just weren't willing to give up picks. So we'll see how that works out for those teams. We had talked about pretty much every trade that actually happened uh, already on this show. The Avery Williamson trade went from the Jets to the Steelers. Desmond King, defensive back from the Chargers, now is a Tennessee Titan for a sixth-round pick. Quan Alexander went from the 49ers to the New Orleans Saints for a conditional fifth. And they got back veteran linebacker Kiko alonzo and there was one last trade before the deadline a minor trade but a player i actually like uh this is isaiah ford per adam Schefter, going from the dolphins to the patriots so the rare inside division trade the patriots definitely need bodies at wide receiver isaiah uh, Isaiah ford was an undrafted guy that i really liked out of virginia tech and he uh, reminds me a little bit of like say um uh Higgins in Cleveland or Kendrick Bourne in San Francisco mm-hmm. like you know sort of a narrow guy but you know pl- six feet six one can get open and catch the ball it doesn't give you much you know juice after the catch or down the field but he can play and he started some games in the NFL so the Patriots add a wide receiver there which I think is a nice move even though uh, they're not really going for it they just need bodies essentially so uh that was pretty much the trade deadline in a nutshell
1: yeah I and mean, I think the Pats are just looking for any semblance of a playmaker they can find and let's take a chance on these guys and maybe they can stick. And the slight one you didn't mention, I mean, a real little one, the dolphins also traded for Deandre Washington because miles hmm. Gaskin's is going to miss a couple weeks. It looks like, so there you go. They're yeah. just swapping out guys.
0: Right. Yeah. So uh, pick up Matt Brita and your fantasy teams. If you want that starting running back for the dolphins and they added Washington there with, it looks like, you know, maybe three weeks or or something like that, mm-hmm. three or four weeks, they're gonna miss Miles Gaskin, which is unfortunate for Gaskin, who, who got the shot. And uh, I've liked what I've seen from Gaskin. He's not a game breaker at running back, but uh he's a he's a pretty Solid. good player.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: So I think the big story with the trade deadline, and there's a ton of other things to get to now with some late breaking COVID news and maybe the 49ers, Packers Thursday night game up in the air. We'll get to that in a minute, but I want to sort of go for full circle here with the the trade deadline and the trades that didn't happen. And there's two of them to me that are very interesting. One was Stefan Gilmore was rumored to be available. Bill Belichick said that uh, after the trade deadline, he said, not to my knowledge, was there any official offers that were turned down, which is really weird because Bill Belichick would have knowledge of everything going on in the building. So yeah, I that, feel that, like I maybe that. they didn't get what they liked in return. And, and some teams came calling and Stefan Gilmore, but, uh, you know, understandably, he would have cost a lot and teams, as we talked about, didn't want to give up that draft capital for uh, even the the reigning defensive player of the year. And the other trade for me was Will Fuller. And there's, you know, much documented uh, Will Fuller to Green Bay conversations that happen. And apparently is the way I understand it is the Houston Texans wouldn't back down from asking for a second round pick. The Packers thought he was worth more like a fourth round pick. And so that's a big gap. And if I put it to you this way, Matt, I'm the the Texans GM, you're the Packers GM. And at the end of the day, uh, final minutes of the trade deadline, I say, okay, look, I'll come down from a second and we'll accept a third. Would you be willing to do that as a compromise?
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, a fourth is just not enough. I mean, like that's not even it doesn't get you to the table. And uh, maybe Green Bay, obviously Green Bay saw it differently. But um, a second, I thought, would be about right. How about a third and a fifth or something like that? And so, I mean, obviously there was a butting of heads of what the guy was worth. But, I mean, you would think Green Bay could bend a little considering where they're at and the status of their receivers. And they don't have anybody like him. You know, I mean, just the the, the take the top off guy, to use a cliche. And Rodgers is still a great deep ball passer. Uh, real quick on the Pats, too. Uh, Belichick says a couple weird things lately. You know, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know anything about it. Like you know everything, and we we know you know everything. <laughs> and you know, there's little talk about. Well, we used all our cap money to win Super Bowls. Well, you kind of didn't. You know, we can. They're all the data's here. You know, it's you're not any worse off cap wise than most teams. In fact, next year they have a ton to spend. Mm-hmm. So if they think they're close. They can afford Gilmore next year. I mean, the guys like Tooney will probably be gone, but they have a lot to spend this upcoming offseason. They're going to look a lot different next year.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting franchise in which direction they could go, and, and they could end up with the top 10 picks. So we're looking at another rookie quarterback there, or do they go to the veteran route? Do they try to trade for Jimmy G, who we know that Bill Belichick loves, and they are a team that could fit that under the salary cap if they wanted to go to the veteran route at quarterback two or just uh, re-up Cam Newton. So an interesting offseason to come for the New England Patriots. And for now, at least, Stephon Gilmore will remain in New England. I, I didn't mention the Carlos Dunlap trade. That was, I think, a really nice move by the Seattle Seahawks to add a defensive end there from the Bengals. And uh, Everson Griffin got traded. Uh, he's, he's changed. He's on his third team in just a couple of months there. So um, that, that was pretty much the trade deadline. Some of those happened before the deadline, but would, would kind of be lumped into this mid-season trading period. So not a lot happened, and yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if you have any big takeaways on a winner or loser from the trade deadline, but we will get into our stock up, stock down, and we've got to talk COVID here once again on the show, which is unfortunate because it's uh, my least favorite topic of this football season, but it heavily impacts the game that could or could not happen on Thursday Night Football next thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents. Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I watch in a number of different places. I watch every game all day. Sunday, again on Thursday, again on Monday, uh, maybe if there's a second Monday night game as we get sometimes, I'm in on that too, and I'm watching uh, multiple games on multiple screens, and I need refreshment, and Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day, because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it, Pepsi made for football watching Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. All right, Matt, uh, more COVID news in this 2020 season. And now this is uh, this is something that's going to impact the Thursday night football game. And as of now, according to Tom Pellicero of NFL.com, the game is on for Thursday night football. But now we have positive COVID tests in both locker rooms. Hackers and Green Bay. We talked a little bit about it yesterday. It's the running back room that's been hit hard for Green Bay. A.J. Dillon uh, and close contact Jamal Williams. They are already without Aaron Jones. And I think Tyler Irvin, who's the fourth running back there, more of a scat back and receiving back. I think he's on the injury list as well. I don't know if he's going to practice in full and and be ready for this game. So that's a tough situation there. And there's still contact tracing with some of that. And now the latest... As of Tuesday, there is a positive test in the 49ers locker room that has been confirmed. Now, a player, a wide receiver, Kendrick Bourne, the 49ers already down Debo Samuel. Uh, so their wide receiver room now undermanned at this point in the season. And there's still contact tracing there. So who knows if that spread to other players in the the wide receiver room or who he's been in close contact with the team. And, you know, some people I've talked to this game is is really in doubt for Thursday night football right now with some really fresh cases of COVID-19 for both teams and an opportunity to move this to say, you know, if you want to keep it in prime time, maybe Monday night football.
1: Now that both teams have instances and more keeps popping up, you know, it's tomorrow, you know, I mean, usually you need a couple days of clear tests to go forward. But I do think they, I don't think they'd ever admit this, but I feel like the league's been a little more lenient on that. That oh, yeah, we're gonna play, you know, like they're, like they're a little less worried, um, for better or worse. But it sure seems like it with being so close and the the Packer running back situation I mean, is kind of comical, to be honest. Which I'm not a Packer fan. Um, that you know that you would think that maybe this gets bumped to Monday, Tuesday. Who knows.
0: It's so short notice to to pack this in, but for the NFL, who probably wants to have a game on Thursday night, still, there, this is not a, one of those where you can change it. If if this was a Monday night situation, they could get a new team in there, a new game in there, and move some things around. Yeah. So I think that's maybe why the NFL uh, might try to cram this through. At this point, it looks like maybe a bad idea. We still have twenty four hours to figure this thing out, and I'm sure by you know at the end of Wednesday or by Thursday morning, they will have to have made a one hundred percent decision on this. But how fresh it is, not knowing with the contact tracing, what that's going to look like. Uh, I'm sure they're waiting on a lot of tests for other players in both buildings. This uh, It seems ominous that this game would would get done at this point. But if you're the NFL, you don't want to cancel it. You want to project, yes, this game is happening until the last second when it 100% is not
1: happening. Right, right. And th- that seems like the the stance they're taking right now. But, boy, it seems... Unlikely. I mean, just just do the the, the, the you know, logical way of looking at this thing. And um, is it that important to play it this Thursday? You could easily bump it a couple days. And yes, it hurts your TV situation. And we're going to talk a little bit of TV situation with this playoff thing that they've been bumping around. And I, I guess it loses you a know, little money as a league, which goes back to my cap problems. But you know, the reality is, why push it?
0: Here's an interesting statistic I saw, Matt, that really puts into perspective what's going on with the 49ers' injury situation. And we talked about yesterday how Jimmy Garoppolo and George Kittle are the latest that could be lost maybe for the season. Maybe they can have some an opportunity to come back at the end of the year. But now that Kendrick Bourne, and this is from Scott Grodsky on Twitter, and I didn't even think about it until I saw this tweet. Now that Kendrick Bourne is out for the 49ers, they will not have a single offensive player who touched the ball in the NFC Championship game against the Packers on the field Thursday night, if that game indeed does happen. Jimmy Garoppolo's out. Raheem Mostert, Debo Samuel, Tevin Coleman, Matt Breida traded to Miami, and Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, let's see, uh, George Kittle, Kendrick Bourne, Emmanuel Sanders. Those are the people who touched the ball for the 49ers in the NFC championship game. All of them out.
1: That's insane. I mean, and it's not like we were the dolphins and we were just trying to you know, scrapping everybody and we want to get better. Mm-hmm. We were going to the Super Bowl and one of the best teams in the league and a great offense. And it's just been bad stuff except for Brita. You know, Brita is the one that kind of chose to move on from, but that's crazy.
0: It's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing situation yeah. going on with the 49ers. And that's just the offensive side of the ball. They're missing two of their best players on defense as well. And Nick Bosa, and Richard Sherman. So uh, injuries hitting San Francisco extremely hard. So I want to touch on this
1: playoff thing real quick. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's been proposed that maybe if needed, they might make it eight playoff teams in each conference. And I think the logic behind it is we really don't want to have a week 18. And if some teams only played 15 games, we're going to go off of winning percentage and get them, you know, the the right teams in, and maybe that means bring one more team into the fold. But the reality is you can go to the TV networks and say, hey, you want some more playoff games? You know, I know we kind of shorted you this year um, with the regular season stuff, but how about we, you know, drum up some money with more playoff games? Everyone will say yes, and, you know, one (laughs) will play eight, and I don't know if it would be like a bracket style like the NCAA tournament or if it would recede, but half half the league would go in.
0: That's crazy because it's, it's already going to feel a lot different having seven teams yeah. in instead of six per division. So it goes from 12 to 14, potentially 16 teams getting into the playoff tournament this year, if that indeed does happen. And I think that would be something that's an emergency situation at the end of the year, like you mentioned. So they don't have to add regular season games. Let's make up that revenue by adding some playoff teams instead. And yeah, I wonder about seeding. Would they go back to two? Buys at that point, and that would extend the playoffs. No, it sounds actually. like no buys. So zero buys. That's interesting. That really hurts the yeah. team that that would have had the buy obviously at the top, yeah. and, and opens it up to a ton of teams to sneak into the playoffs uh, in both divisions. I mean, that's that's a wild scenario if that was to play out that way. When I first heard about it, I thought, well, that's just an awful idea. That's just that's too yeah. many teams, too many playoff teams. And I know this is a unique season, but and, and I never liked the playoffs in those. Sports like NBA, NHL. There's there's just right. too many teams in the too playoffs many. that have no shot. And it really waters the whole thing down. But I get the money aspect of it. And look, that's more football games for us to watch in January. So I guess you can't hate it that much as a football fan.
1: Right. I mean, I'm sure Browns, Raiders, Bears fans are all pretty happy about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, maybe they wouldn't be contender contenders. But a team like Arizona that's building the right direction or Miami Hey, we got some playoff experience for our young quarterback and coach and team. I mean, so great, but I mean, it certainly makes life. It's not favorable for the chiefs, the Steelers, Seattle, these teams, because they Mm -hmm. probably have to play one more game or risk one more injury or don't get the rest. At least two teams don't get the rest, but it'd be fun. I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, I think it just shows that the league is very adaptive, that, uh, you know, we can do whatever we want this year. We have a license to just do whatever we want. We're going to try new things. We're going to generate revenue, which don't ever forget is the most important yes. thing. <laughs> and I'm cool with it. Back to my statement about, I don't want the cap to be 175 next year. I think it would really hurt the game. And if more playoff teams getting in, we'll help that this year. Let's do it.
0: Yeah, money. Uh, money is the number yeah, one yeah. factor there. And the league has the opportunity to, to, to make sure that they get maximum dollars that they can and they'll change the rules if they have to to do that and and i think everyone just has to be okay with it with this unique odd crazy season but you're right man the the team that would have earned the buy that has to play an extra game against the team that you know could potentially knock them off and have to deal with more injuries that's those are the teams that really get hurt whoever would have had the one seed in the afc <clears throat> in the NBC, in the nfc if this happens but i still think this is a pretty far-fetched idea and and not not very close to happening not at this so, point right yeah right right but with things happening like this with Thursday night football and COVID and that game getting changed or moved or pushed back, the 49ers still have a bye week, so that helps them. Uh the Packers already had their bye week. So you know it it starts to get very dicey in the second half of the season. There's a lot less wiggle room to start moving games around due to COVID nineteen.
1: Right. And that's that's what's part of it. I didn't explain that well enough is if you have a week eighteen and only five teams are, you know five games need to happen and others get sit down. Like it, it would, would if it was jets versus giants where they both like blatantly try to lose, like, I think they're trying to avoid that. And I don't think that they would hate having some teams only play 15 games. And so we'll open up a playoff spot so that you know, the other, we have a better chance of getting deserved teams in the playoffs. And then we were talking about this on my Steeler show yesterday. Like let's say the Steelers or chiefs or whoever get the buy. And then week 18, they don't have to play. And then week one of the playoffs is a game that they're sitting out. Then getting the buy is like a, a two weeks off, and that's too long. I don't want the buy that. That's not a gift.
0: Right. And just overall, even beyond football, just the fact that in Wisconsin, I think, is one of those right now that's being hit hard. And I know it's affecting college football as well there in the entire state. It's November now, and we're talking about new waves and more outbreaks of this coronavirus that we hoped at this point we would have almost full stadiums, right? We were talking about that just a couple months ago. It's like, okay, you know, at some point maybe uh, we'll have, you know, some normalcy even by the end of this year, and it's it's going in the other direction. So that is not a good sign just for everybody in, in the entire country. Uh, in total, and you worry about those people who could be affected and and who do have symptoms, but as of now, those 49ers and Packers players don't have any symptoms. So that's, I guess, a good sign. Good point. Stock up, stock down coming up on Peacock and Williamson. If you want the opportunity to buy a box of Built Bars for 20% off, well, I've got a deal for you. And they have a ton of new flavors of Built Bars as well. To go along with there, 12 original flavors bars are covered in delicious 100 percent real chocolate not some brown colored sugary substance this is legit chocolate soft and easy to chew built bars are great for the health conscious folks out there if you're trying to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat it's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar bars are low in calories low sugar high in protein high fiber even great for keto diets you go with the new cookies and cream flavor, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and 4 grams of sugar. One of my favorite flavors is the peanut butter, 19 grams of protein in that one, only 5 grams of sugar. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code locked on for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Matt, stock up, stock down as we do on Wednesdays and a definite stock down for my San Francisco 49ers. We've mentioned it this week with all the injuries. Now COVID has snuck its way at least into one player in the 49ers locker room. And we'll find out what what happens there with as more reports come out of Santa Clara and some contact tracing there. We'll see if Thursday night football happens. But this is a team coming off a Super Bowl run that literally has zero players on offense that can touch the ball, that touch the ball in that game against the Packers in the NFC Championship. So, uh, just a rough situation and and really through no fault of the organization, but a big stock down for a team that might not even make the playoffs now unless, you know, there is that eighth seed and they are able to sneak in at 4 and 4 and who knows, might get a team that's below 500 at that point in the playoffs. But uh, you know, a rough situation for the 49ers and that segues us into the stock up stock down. I mean, that that is Morale is not high with 49ers fans right now.
1: No, that's an obvious one. And as you were saying that, though, I'm sitting here thinking, what if they could become the eighth seed and Kittle's back and Jimmy's right? And I don't know how, you know, is Bosa out, out? Or would some of those injuries come around by then? I mean, who no, knows? Yeah. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be terrible. And I think they got a good good chance against Green Bay. We saw them dismantle them not long ago. So I think this is a good matchup. I mean, it's not, it's not all doom and gloom.
0: It's not all doom and gloom, and the 49ers do have a path. And, and there's some people that think, and, and, and I personally think, a healthy Nick Mullins isn't far off from what we saw, You know what, what, what to expect from what we saw from Jimmy Garoppolo, who is obviously hurting mm-hmm. with his ankle and not being able to fire off of that. So the 49ers could stay afloat, and they do have a couple of NFC East opponents coming up and a couple of winnable games. If they can be 500 And maybe in the last two weeks of the season, now you have Richard Sherman back. You have Jimmy Garoppolo coming back and playing 100% on that ankle and Jimmy and uh George Kittle coming back at the end of the year. Kittle's supposed to be 8 weeks and he said it's going to be 2 weeks. Obviously you can't take <laughs> a player's word for it, but that's just classic Kittle. He'll come back and he will play injured if he's allowed to by doctors. So maybe the 49ers do have an opportunity to sneak in the very end of the year another Seahawks a 49ers game in week 17 and get that 8th seed, 7th seed into the playoffs. It's not impossible, but right now just bad vibes around the team.
1: Yeah. I have a stock up and a stock down from the same team, and it was the Baltimore Ravens. And uh, I I have a lot of faith in this organization. I have a lot of faith in Lamar Jackson, but I think we have to recognize, you know, he's played the Steelers twice, and he's had seven turnovers combined in those games. And he, he hasn't stepped up huge against the Chiefs, and I'm not implying at all that he can't win the big one. I hate that narrative, especially for a guy like this, because, you know, like the Titans game that they lost in the playoffs, he set the record for most yards from scrimmage by anyone in the league, you know? But I think that their their drop-back passing game is something that I think every team has to have, and they had it last year. Mm -hmm. They don't seem to have it this year. They need to get back to doing some basic drop-back stuff just so they can rely on it when they need it. So that's my stock down is Lamar and the drop back passing game. And that includes the receivers. That includes the coaches a little bit. But my stock up is J.K. Dobbins. Like, you mm. can't put him back in the bottle.
0: Oh, no. It's too late now. Yeah, we, we've seen right. what that looks like. And he was, what, seven and a half yards per carry last week and clearly has more juice than anybody. And, and we've thought that all along, that it's at some point he would own that backfield. It's not like Mark Egram when he's healthy is going to go away completely, but he should be second fiddle to J.K. Dobbins. I think that's absolutely clear. And I think it was a great point you made about the drop back passing game because that's really what's missing with that Baltimore Ravens offense. So are you buying low on that offense and they could be a lot better? And uh, I think it was Marquise Brown, the second year wide receiver who I thought was gonna be a huge breakout player this year. He's upset about his usage and what's going on with his numbers and, and how that's playing out. So that drop back passing game has to be better, but it also goes to show you with how well Baltimore still playing that they could be even better and they still have half of a regular season and some playoffs to get that thing right. So they're still a scary team, I think in December and January.
1: Without question. And they're well coached. They're good on defense. Uh, They have some COVID issues too, by the way, you know, Mm Marlon Humphrey and some other guys. So keep an eye on that with their Colts game. And that's a tough matchup for them too. The Colts are going to be a tough, tough play for them.
0: Do you have any hopes for Des Bryant? Was it a missed opportunity for the Ravens at the deadline to maybe add a receiver?
1: See, I thought that was a team that should be after a quality starting receiver more than as much as Green Bay. I I don't have much hope for Des Bryant, no. But I bet, he, I bet he gets a shot. So good for him, but I don't have high expectations at all. But they could use, I've been saying forever, they could use a veteran, route runner, move the chain, Derek Mason guy.
0: My stock up is a name that I don't know if we've even uttered here on the podcast since... Our draft post-draft extravaganza that is Colts rookie Julian Blackman and the Colts defense Mm, is playing really well right now and he's probably somebody who should have his name maybe in some defensive rookie of the year conversation since there's not a ton of standout defensive rookies so far this year and I think Patrick Queen just because he's a linebacker and it's easier to rack up stats and he's on a you know a team that's gonna play some primetime games I think his name will be in there of course Chase Young the number two overall pick Who's uh, played pretty quick, very well as a pass rusher, but yeah, uh, Julian Blackman, Antoine Winfield, maybe. Yeah, Antoine. Oh, there's a good one. Yeah, Antoine Winfield for sure uh, deserves to be in that conversation. But Julian Blackman, I think, would have to be at worst fourth, and maybe even you know second or third in that conversation. So I just wanted to to call him out uh, and and another rookie that we haven't really talked about a lot that's playing really well right now for the Colts.
1: Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, he has even like coming out of school, he wasn't a super high profile guy all over. You know, Todd and Mel's boards and all those things. So I, I'm sure a lot of people were kind of like, I don't know anything about that guy, but he's been great for a very good Colts defense. I like that one a lot.
0: Any more sock ups, sock downs, Matt?
1: I, I didn't have a lot to to go off of here. I have some names. Some of them are a stretch. Some of them are just too obvious. You know, Dalvin Cook, you know, I mean, guys like that. But I wanted to mention Joe Burrow um, just because. I think he's taking another step now where I, I like to steal this metaphor from Bucky Brooks and the move that move the sticks guys. They say quarterbacks are either a truck or a trailer. Like think about an 18 wheeler. Are you the, are you the caboose or are you the engine that drives the thing? And I always said, I like the train metaphor better. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a locomotive and just pulls the whole train. And I think Burrow early on, it was somewhat of a trailer, but this past week, without an offensive line, without mixing in a running game, he's now elevating those around him. And that's rare for a quarterback halfway through their rookie year.
0: I love everything I've seen as a pro from Joe Burrow, and the same for Justin Herbert. It's It's yep. been pretty remarkable to see some guys jump in, and, and quarterback is a position that usually takes a little bit of time, and even the Chargers didn't want to throw. Uh, Herbert in it was like uh, you know it took this completely freak moment to get him in and the injection that goes wrong pregame for Tyrod Taylor and then he goes in there it's like you can't take him out he's playing that well and we've seen it in Miami with Tua going in there winning his first start even though it wasn't really because of him but you know he didn't lose the game either as a rookie quarterback rookies being able to come in and play and wide receivers we've seen so many come in and be able to play this year it's been phenomenal to watch these rookies who are more prepared for the NFL game than I think we realize right now coming out of college, just because it's always been a situation where all oh, college off- offenses are so different and they're in shotgun all the time. And it's either that the NFL game is changing so much or just years and in, in preparation and seven on sevens and just quarterbacks are more ready to play than ever, but it's pretty phenomenal. And I think from the neck up is really the impressive thing from Joe Burrow and even from the other first round quarterbacks that we've seen on the field so far in Tua and Justin Herbert, like even as rookies, this NFL thing doesn't seem too big for them mentally.
1: Not at all. Very well said. Um, But just to put a a one reservation I have and just to put the scouting cap on a little bit is, and this is applied to Baker Mayfield as the first overall pick for the area of the country. He got drafted to as well. I'm going to be very cognizant of How well does Burrow drive the ball through rain, weather, wind in particular? Because even at LSU, he was not a wow thrower. I mean, Herbert's a wow thrower. And, you know, you mentioned the transition from college to the pros. Like in the SEC, he can make every throw. And and he was very good and he had one of the best seasons in history. We know all that. But you watch him here. I, and it's it's obvious sometimes whenever he plays against a big arm passer in the same conditions that his ball will die a little bit. Like it's it's just something to keep an eye on. If he's not great and just good, we're going to say because he can't make the big time comeback. You know the big time, you know out throw from the far hash when it's windy and rainy.
0: That's a great point, and we saw that uh, Browns uh browns who the browns play a raiders browns raiders game last week and it's snowing and cold and uh the snow is blowing sideways and and it was a 13 to 6 final score right i'm really interested to see joe burrow in some of those games and so uh, that's a great point that'll be fun to watch and the final bit of evaluation for his rookie season that's been a huge success so far for cincinnati
1: without question I'm going to run a couple
0: of things by you here and maybe we can get deeper into this on another episode, but there was an email from yesterday that we didn't get it a, or a, a tweet from yesterday that we didn't get a chance to, to go over in our two minute warning, talking about some uh, mid season awards. And what do you feel about, I mean, I mean, I think Russell Wilson's MVP, right? Like on everybody's ballot. That's, exactly. We shouldn't even, even talk about that rookie of the year, probably on offense goes to Joe Burrow. We talked about, uh, and there's some other you know candidates there defensively, we talked about uh, Chase Young and some other names. What about Coach of the Year? Is this Mike Tomlin's award to lose?
1: Pretty strong case, I got to admit. I mean, I also look at, I'm not trying to get Cardinal and Dolphin fans back on my side, but I look at teams <laughs> like that that were really low not long ago. First overall pick, worst rosters in the league scenario to respectability in a short amount of time. And I like to re- reward or at least mention those coaches. Who else are you th- thinking? I mean, I gotta think Tomlin would be the first vote Pete right Carroll. Now.
0: Pete Carroll would definitely get yeah, some votes. Maybe strong. Matt Lafleur, although you know he had a thirteen and three team last year. But just right. the the coaching job, I think of, of finally last couple getting, of weeks haven't helped Lafleur. That's true. But I think getting Aaron Rodgers to buy in. I think that's that relationship was really an underreported yes, thing that was going to change the course of this season and that by all accounts, is going really well. So props to Matt LaFleur there for winning over, a, you know, a big personality and coming in as a as a young head coach. that can't be easy when there's somebody already established like Aaron Rodgers there. But I'm with you. I might cast my vote right now for Brian Flores, knowing that he won't win Pretty the good. award because they might not have, unless they do get into the playoffs and, and make a little bit bigger run. But he might get my vote right now. That's a good one.
1: Yeah, that is a good one. I mean, exceeding expectations, rapid rise, um scheming it up. I mean, that defense... They're allowing the fewest points in the league. It's the number one defense in the league right now. I don't think people realize that. Everyone thinks, oh, it's the box, it's the Steelers. It's the Dolphins in terms of, you know, uh, points allowed per game. It's pretty impressive, and they're not loaded with talent there. little shout-out to John Gruden, too. I mean, mm. I think he's doing a pretty good job. No,
0: that's a good one. I like that one, yeah. too. Uh, we're out of time here, so we can't really get into any other awards, but I think that would be a fun segment to go through some more of these mid-season awards after every team has played eight games next week and maybe check back in on some of our thoughts and, and throw out some names maybe of some underrated players that aren't getting their due around the league in our Wednesday sure. stock up, stock down next week.
1: If people want to tweet us about it too and yeah. you know, throw some suggestions, that'd be great.
0: Absolutely. At BD Peacock, at Williamson NFL. Matt and I will be back tomorrow previewing a game that hopefully happens in 49ers, Packers, and of course, Chris Raybon of the Action Network making his six-pack of best bets for Sunday. Right here, Peacock and Williamson.